Varmt välkomna till avsnitt nummer 48 av Champagnepodden. I det här avsnittet kommer ni få lyssna på en intervju med exportchef Edvard Cossy hos Laurent Perrier. Laurent Perrier är ett storhus, producerar nästan 10 miljoner flaskor- men är relativt okända i Sverige och jag tycker verkligen att vi ska ändra på det för att de gör fantastiskt goda viner champagner. Intervjun är inspelad nere på Mr. French på Skeppsholmen och vi hade en fantastiskt varm härlig sommardag. Så att jag hoppas att ni kommer njuta av den här intervjun och så hörs vi lite grann senare. Jag skulle även vilja säga innan vi börjar intervjun att den är osponsrad. Är det så att någon vill sponsra Champagnepodden så får ni höra över till info.champagnesweden.se Men vi gör så att vi flyttar oss ner till Skeppsholmen, Mr. French och lyssnar på Edvard. Today is the 5th of June and it's the warmest day in Sweden so far this year. And um, I've just moved myself to Mr. French uh, down by the sea in Stockholm to meet Edvard Cousy. Uh, the export manager of Laurent Perrier. Very nice to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you for your welcome. Are you enjoying uh, Stockholm? With this weather and summer, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's just an amazing day in, in Stockholm, for sure. Are you going to be here for, for a long time? or? I'm just going to be here for a few a few days and uh, and then back to France. That's pretty much my life, you know, traveling all the time, uh, limited time, but uh, make it efficient. Yes. Uh, how many days uh, a year do you travel? Uh, it's about 120. 120? Yeah, yeah. So and you told me you have uh, three uh, boys. And home. I have three boys, yes, yes. yes and a very... Uh, Uh, busy nanny as oh, well, oh. <laughs> and a busy mother. Yeah, <laughs> both actually. Both I actually. understand. Yeah. Um, before we get in, really into Laurent Perrier, uh, I want to hear a short story about yourself, who you are, and how you got started in the champagne industry. Basically, uh, uh, I was born in uh, in uh, Normandy, but I grew up in Versailles, so it's uh, actually a, a few kilometers west from from Paris. I would say the closest vineyard from this part is, is uh, Champagne because it's just about 40-45 minutes by train. So um, I really wanted to work in the wine business since the beginning. Uh, I got a great, uh, great interest in wine. So um, I was just trying after my studies to uh, get into the wine world. And uh, another house uh, also famous in, in, in Sweden did actually open this gate to me. But then afterwards I've been, to, I've been traveling uh, Uh, for wine um, in other parts of the world, in Asia, working from some distributors. And um, when we moved back to, uh, to France uh, with my wife, I just uh, uh, considered the idea to move back to Champagne because I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, Laurent Payet opened the, their doors to me and, uh, and since then, it's been seven years now, I'm, I'm quite a, I'm a happy export manager there. Nice. So you're living in, in France? I'm living in Champagne, in Reims. Oh, you're living in Reims? Uh, we, okay. moved, we moved in Reims and uh, it's it's actually a very nice uh, city. Uh, a lot of Swedes coming <laughs> to yes. Reims to visit the Champagne houses and we're very happy to welcome them all the time. So uh, yeah, it's a very pleasant city to live. Great. How many years have you been working with uh, Laurent Perrier? It's been seven years. Seven years? Seven years, yes. Great, great. As we always say about Laurent Perrier, uh, it's a young Champagne house of uh, more than 200 years now. Uh, so you can understand there's a lot of stories to tell, but I would say that the full story started in, in Tours-sur-Marne uh, with a barrel maker called Alphonse Pierlot. And can uh, you tell where Tours-sur-Marne is? Uh, Tours-sur-Marne is basically located to Bouzy. It's very close by. It's about five minutes by car. Uh, so it's directly by the Marne River, but on the Montaigne de Rheims uh, site, not so in the north uh, facing. Uh, um, basically in the plain, so so okay. so you are not really facing south actually, but you are in the middle of Epernay and. Champagne. 
Yes, it's one of the grands crus of our champagne, uh, and it's always been a wish of uh, Laurent Bay to stay in this area, uh, since we are we prefer to be uh, inside the vineyards with our wellies. Uh, walking on the mud and the earth around the vines than just being in one of the cities since you know that the two major ones are Epernay and Reims. The rebirth of Laurent Perrier started in 1939 when uh, Marie-Louise de Nonancourt, uh, she was born in Lançon, uh, acquired Laurent Perrier by auction. And uh, she had three sons and only unfortunately at that time it's uh, the war period, so the World War II, uh, two of them will get back from the war. And the second one uh, is asked to come and join Laurent Perrier to help and manage the company. Uh, so he's joining in 1949 and he's going to make Laurent Perrier his, his, his dream life achievement. At that time, Laurent Perrier is a very small house. Huh? How it many is, bottles were being used? They were making time? about 80,000 bottles a 80, year. Bottles. So it was ranked at 100 position. What was the production at that time? So at that time, production was uh, 80,000 bottles. Okay, that's not uh, much at all. It is what it was not. Were they a, a grower then, or at at that time, no, it was already a negotiant. Okay. It was already a negotiant, but they were buying some grapes and also owning some vineyards. In the end, today we are making about seven point five million bottles, and yes. we are ranked at the fourth position value. So you're about uh, a little bit larger than uh, Tatin Chef. Exactly, exactly. That's a good comparison. Yes. And uh, but it's by far the largest success story uh, for the last 50, 60, now 70 years. Yes. So it's been extremely successful, but not based on the, the quality of the marketing, but mostly based on the quality of the wines yes. uh, poured. This is very much into what we've been focusing on, is the quality of the wines we make. How many acres of land is um, owned by Laurent Perrier and how uh, many percentage of the grapes do you have to buy from other growers? It's been going through a lot of um, uh, acquirements uh, of different lands and you know uh, the Champagne area is limited so we cannot extend it uh, but as small as the story and the, the success was going on uh, we managed to, to acquire 165 hectares now it's quite a lot but it only represents 11% uh, of our own needs yes. since we mostly we source our wines uh, from 1,500 hectares okay. but the big characteristics of Laurent Perrier is that it doesn't matter if you own or not the land um, what matters really is the focus you have on your own vines. The big characteristics of Laurent Perrier is that within this 89% um, of vines we don't own, actually half of us, uh, half, half of it, is controlled by us since we have our own team working in the vineyards. Okay. So it's pretty much like we land, yes. uh, we rent the vineyards, yes. we have the key of the vineyards, but and we have our own team there. And it's basically the way you're going to react in terms of climatic catastrophe or, or episodes of uh, rain or storm, etc. It's going to be the, the, your capacity to react. And we are actually uh, in a capacity to control this directly since it is our own team there. And the Florent Pierre, which uh, market is the biggest export market? The biggest export market is UK, UK. Uh, for sure, uh, since it is the largest export market for, for, for champagne in general. Uh, but we are also ex extremely uh, good in Japan. We are also, we have subsidiaries in other markets in Europe, uh, like Germany, like yes. Italy, like US, like Switzerland. And what's, what's the market share that you have in, uh, in France? The market share yeah. we have in France. Yeah. What do you mean? Do you mean yeah. oh, yeah, the, uh, like fifth, fifth uh, largest uh, or most recognized? Uh, this information, to be honest, I don't know because it's changing every yeah. year and uh, I haven't prepared this. Because I see Laurent Pierre everywhere in France, okay. in I, Champagne, I, but I, in Sweden, yeah. where is it? Alors, we, it, it has been a very big success in, in France, also because Bernard de Lancourt was not speaking English. 
so we focused on countries that were French speaking. That's basically why we are strong in France. We are strong in Belgium, uh, in Switzerland, uh, in Luxembourg as well, in Western Africa. These were the very first pillars where the success of Laurent Bay has started. Um, and then later on, we've been growing a lot in uh, non-French speaking countries. Like Sweden. Like Sweden, for instance. But but for, 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 for the French success, it's because we came for the last 70 years with uh, an offer that was, at that time, not only champagne, but also steel wines. Yes. Laurent Bay was making champagne, of course, but also steel wines from champagne. There was two uh, red wines, one called the Bouzy Rouge, so honey grapes coming from Bouzy, red wine. Yes. One was called the Pinot Franc, red grapes from champagne. And one was called the Blanc de Blanc Chardonnay, which was a Chardonnay steel wine coming from champagne. It was a big success because half of the production was steel wines, half of the production was champagne. And the way Laurent Bay also settled this reputation was uh, by bringing some novelties, some innovations in Champagne. We are definitely a house of innovations yes. and this innovation has helped to create uh, the myth of Laurent Perrier for the last 70 years. I think we should uh, try some yeah, champagne, definitely. of course. Definitely. It's a champagne podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm a little bit sad because um, I really like Laurent Perrier, but it's not present in the system Belaget. No, that's true. <laughs> it used to be uh, like a um, couple of decades ago. Uh, we have been uh, uh, smallly distributed in some shops uh, when it was actually probably easier, much easier to get in uh, system like it. We are working very hardly to try to, uh, to have our wines there. But it- There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. still available in the ordering assortments, which basically means that if you really look for Laurent Pays, you will have a way to, to have access to it. Find it. Yeah. When I pour the next glass, you can tell us, you can tell me and the mm-hmm. listeners what we're drinking. Hello. We are uh, now having 2000 uh, millésimé uh, 2008, Laurent Pays millésimé 2008. It's a vintage, one single harvest. It's known as being uh, one of the, la- the latest great vintage in Champagne at the same level as 96, 2002 and 1990, that kind of uh, iconic vintages. The good thing I think is that we are the last one to, to launch it in Sweden since all of the, all the Champagne house has already launched it and probably sold it because you can't find any more 2008 now in uh, System Bodeget. So uh, we are quite proud of it, but it's no intentional uh, to release it on the last uh, on being the last to, to visit, it's just because that we consider that our wines need time to yes. mature in cellars. Uh, the longer time you, you age the champagne on this, the more uh, characteristics, the better structure. The, you're gonna only 
release the good points of um, of the of the champagne as soon as you keep it for enough time. I see too many champagnes uh, released just too early, and I think it's a shame because as soon as you keep it for enough time, it will give you so much more. Yes. Um, so all this working on on uh, cellar aging is actually not done. We don't recommend to do it yourself. We are actually doing it for you and uh, I think the result is, is very interesting because it's developing all the richness, uh, all the elegancy and, and the structure that we look for yeah, in the champagne. The bouquet is really nice and when I look at the cork, it looks uh, that it's been quite recently disgorged. It has been disgorged actually six months ago, yes. at least the minimum so it's time been on the lease for uh, well, 10 years. 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years. That's already. like a prestige uh, champagne. Yeah, exactly. Actually, some Actually, of the prestige champagne are. Yeah, exactly. Some of the prestige champagne are now 2008. Yes. But this is not. This is just our regular vintage that we release now, and we consider this is the the, the minimum time it should be aged. Uh, since the wine, uh, we considered it was not ready yet. Our cellar master always compare um, our cellars to universities. When you uh, have students in universities, you don't release them on, on the market after one year. You need them to train to be ready uh, to be in the, the jungle outside. So it's exactly the same for our wine. We just need uh, time to educate them so that they reveal their best when they're out. We should have a toast. Uh, cheers. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. And um, what's the blend? For this vintage. There was a rule when Bernardo Nonancourt decided to, to, to take over the company and was, was the CEO of it. He wanted to create something extraordinary, but above all, he wanted to create his own path by taking a direction that no one has taken before. When you have already a lot of competitors around, you need to exist by proposing something new, something innovative. And that's what we have been uh, working on. One of the rules was to say, okay, Chardonnay is the rarest planted grape in Champagne, but we consider it as the most elegant and the one that brings you the best things as soon as you treat it well. Is that the most important grape for Laurent Perrier? It is in majority in all of the wines, yes. except the Rosé. That was the rule number one. Chardonnay should be in majority in all of the wines. When we renew our Brut non-vintage, which is called La Cuvée, we decided to take that direction to predict it a huge majority. The Brut non-vintage as Laurent Perrier is unique because it is 50% Chardonnay, and there's no other champagne houses that has that share of Chardonnay in their regular brut. It's the same for the, the vintage uh, that we have now. It, we, we decided to put it as a majority, so we put a minimum of 50% Chardonnay, yes. completed by uh, the rest by Pinot Noir. But it will always be a majority of Chardonnay in the white range uh, champagne. But this is a 50 Chardonnay, 50 Pinot Noir? Exactly, exactly yes. for this one. Sometimes we adapt, we can do 50 to 53. It's pretty much more depending on the climatic conditions on the vintage. Yes. Um, so there is no fixed rule to say it's 50 50. Not a, a fixed recipe? No, never, 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 never. That's nice to hear. I really like that. <laughs> I was not expecting it to be this powerful. Alors, it is uh, it is powerful, but we don't exactly look for uh, power. I would say it's very ripe. Uh, it's already rich, rich because of its because it's matured. But when we do our wines, uh, we don't necessarily look for um, powerfulness. If you look at the cru where we source the, the grapes, we will of course take the best cru from the Côte des Blancs for the Chardonnay. And which, which one is it coming from, the Chardonnay? Alors, for the Chardonnay, it's going to be Ménil-sur-Auger, Cramant, Avis, um, of course Auger a little bit, Chouilly, but uh, about the Pilon Noir, since we talk about uh, yes. powerfulness, we will never look for the most uh, powerful villages, the most so powerful cru. for uh, Boussy, Arbonne, Alors, yes, but we always take the parts which are actually facing east and, and, and north. Okay. Um, one of the most powerful villages we actually 
will certainly not use is certainly AI and Marius sur AI yes. because these ones based on the steepness of the slopes yes. and the orientations of the grapes of the sun sorry they are giving just a result which is too powerful for us in all of the champagne if you look at the range of Laurent Perrier, we always look for freshness and elegance, yes. never for heaviness. So which basically also means that we will avoid oxidation because yes. we consider that this is bringing uh, a bit of um, uh, heaviness to the taste. So we want to stay in this register of freshness and elegance uh, by maintaining, maintaining our wines and champagne. From the moment we do the pressurage, the pressing, we will keep them away from uh, the oxidation. And um, this vintage is, are you able to buy it on, on Sustainable Rocket at the moment? Or it will be from the, from the 12th of June. Yeah, uh, maybe when the podcast is released. Then. Yeah, so the 12th of, of June and <laughs> uh, it'll be 589 crowns. Exactly. exactly That's really, exactly. it's a bargain. I don't know if it's a bargain, but we never want to speculate on our vintage. Uh, we do it very rarely. Uh, if you look at the last uh, 70 years, the overall Champagne region has been selling uh, and declaring 60 different vintage. Yes. This is the 29th vintage of Laurent Perrier oh. since 1950. So when we do it, we want to do very well and we want to do it very unique. Uh, we are extremely selective uh, of the years we declare as vintage uh, for very simple reasons. Of course, the quality of the climatic condition should be there. but. We consider also that the style of the vintage should be in style of the house. And how would you describe the house style of Laurent Perrier? I think it's 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 the elegance uh, and the uh, exactly it's yes. exactly it's a bit what, what I just mentioned before. It's never into heaviness. For instance, we will never privilege a vintage where only the Pinot were great and the Chardonnay were not. Mm. We will never select a vintage where only where the Pinot Noir are too powerful compared to the Chardonnay. So we want to keep this balance between both and to focus on uh, the, the Pinot Noir that can be extremely elegant to be a complement uh, of, the, of the Chardonnay and so that they can find the right balance together. Balance is extremely important for us in all of the wines we make. Yes, and uh, let's say you're uh, La Cuvée, mm -hmm. your uh, house champagne or uh, your entry-level champagne, mm -hmm. how many percentage of the total production is uh, represented by within, the La Cuvée? Within Laurent Perrier, yes, yeah, yes. with La Cuvée. Uh, La Cuvée is representing about 75% uh, of our production. Yes, so it's okay. the most important uh, Cuvée. For it is, I think, yeah. because it's the signature, uh, yes. it's the signature Cuvée of any champagne houses. Uh, don't forget that the average in champagne is like 90% yes. is non-vintage. Yes. So we basically have a higher share of other products yes. uh, which are above uh, what we call what we call ourselves the haut de gamme, the high-end wines, uh, is pretty much higher than the average in Champagne. Of course, you need a signature to have a start with. Yes, um, and, and I think the La Cuvée has been uh, it's getting better and better. Yeah. All the time. Uh, this is a big challenge because yeah. it is one of the most challenging wines for us to produce yes. because you need to work on the consistency and the quality. But it's been a wish of uh, the family uh, that now, the Nomancourt family that owns the Rampaillé, to make a better non-vintage any time they could make it. Okay. Uh, so La Cuvée has been remained La Cuvée uh, two years ago uh, for a simple reason, is that we, have, we were in capacity to uh, climb another step in terms of quality since we've been working on the sourcing uh, by getting the grapes from 55 village to more than 100. We also have been uh, in capacity to increase the time uh, of lease of cellar aging from three years to four years. And uh, we have also managed to increase the share of Chardonnay in uh, the blending. It used to be 50%, now it's 55% Chardonnay okay. in the non-vintage, yes. completed by 35% Pinot Noir and only 10% of Pinot Meunier. When I'm thinking about uh, Laurent Perrier, mm -hmm. I think about uh, the Ultra Brut. 
Of course, uh, of course. And the rosé. Yes. And yes, also yes. about the, the nice sound when you pour a glass of uh, Grand Siècle. Of Grand Siècle, yes. Alors, again, uh, we start with the Ultra Brut. I, saw, I, I said that uh, Laurent Paye is a house of innovation. We have launched in 1981 the very first Brut Nature. The category was not even existing in Champagne. Um, it was Extra Brut, but there was no Brut Nature. And we decided to go... So you uh, created the name. We, I'm not sure we Almost. created the name, but actually we asked uh, the CIBC to create something uh, yes. that where we could stand alone or anyone could join. But in the end, we wanted to be a little bit more strict in yes. the rules. Been lucky enough to experience a vintage that was 1976. Uh, 1976 was an extraordinary vintage with extremely uh, high pH and very low acidity that was making um, at the end of the disgorgement and actually men, even when we tasted the wines uh, for the blending, for the cuvee blending, uh, we were considering that there was not in deserving any sugar in it. The wine was just standing by itself. And that was the start uh, of this reflection to say, okay, we could probably produce it more and more. Uh, we have since 1976 made 17 cuvee of Ultra Brut. These cuvee are made to create Ultra Brut. It's not just a Brut where you put no sugar and you keep it longer in cellars. It's really a wines we make to, to create Ultra Brut. Is this the same blend or is it No, 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 it's a completely different blend. We usually blend. work on 50-50, 50% Chardonnay, 50% Pinot Noir, but uh, we are extremely picky on the harvest we work with because we need, again, a basic harvest with very low acidity and very high pH to consider to launch it uh, as, as under the, 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 the name Ultra Brut uh, because the biggest challenge here is to masterize the acidity. Yes. So it deserves six years uh, of uh, cellar aging uh, before release. It's a long time for a non-vintage champagne. It's a very long time for a non-vintage champagne, indeed. Uh, but that's the time it requires to to slow down, to low down the the, the acidity. Yes. Um, I talked again about innovation for Grand Siècle. Grand Siècle was the the very first prestige cuvee, not vintage. So. When at a time where everybody was releasing a prestige cuvee vintage, yes. we decided to take a complete opposite direction by using the vintage. And the first uh, year you released it was uh, sorry. 1959. 1959. 1959. Yes. That was the, 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 the year of launch of Grand Siècle. And we decided to take that direction where vintage is not a result, it's a tool. Yes. We use it. The, we use the different vintage as a tool to create something higher, something better than just. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Each vintage separately. And we had noticed that there was, within these selections of vintage we were using at Laurent Perrier, there was big families, three big families of vintage. Vintage of freshness, vintage of elegance, and vintage of structure. In any way, in each vintage, you could never find the three characteristics altogether. So the challenge here was to blend these vintage together to reach a higher result and to guarantee the consistency of these results by rolling the vintage uh, between them. So that's why it's not vintage, it's like 96, 97, 98. It exactly. Be, you have to find the vintage for a structure. You have to find the vintage exactly, for freshness. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's certainly <clears throat> at the opposite of most of the prestige cuvee vintage. For us, it is one of the most difficult wines to produce because we need to use the blending and to work on the anticipation about, okay, what is this wine going to uh, give, uh, let's say, after 10 years of aging in the cellars? Interesting. And should we uh, talk about the rosé and also try it? Yes, 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 yes. This is a really classic rosé. Alors, classic and not classic, because classic uh, on the way that it's quite famous, and it is certainly the cuvée, the, the rosé among in Champagne that has led to to, to build the Champagne rosé construction yes, in the world. I, I think when, if you ask uh, people drinking Champagne in Sweden, uh, which uh, Champagne brand uh, it's recognized for, for mm. the rosé than uh, Laurent Perrier. Yes, and the, the funny thing is like we have never been compromising ourselves in the quality. Actually, when we launched it, because we launched it in uh, 50 years ago in 1968, at that time, Cuvée Rosé in Champagne is not a cuvée which is very famous among the Champagne houses. They use it, but they are not really claiming it that they use it because they are not really proud to make a Champagne Rosé. And because of this, they don't really pay attention on the process. I mean, they pay attention, but not as much as they should do, since they make it black. When you do a rosé in Champagne, you can do it on two ways. The first one is uh, by blending white wine and red wine to make a rosé. And this is actually all the Champagne houses are working on this way, except a few. And uh, Cuvée Rosé, Laurent Perrier, we decided to take another direction from the others okay. by working on the maceration. Mm. Okay, so as a non-vintage Cuvée Rosé, among the champagne houses, this is the only one made by skin contact maceration, which basically means that on this blending there is only Pinot Noir. Yes. It's 100% Pinot Noir, skin contact macerated. And uh, before we, we talk more about it, we have uh, different styles of glasses here. Yeah. Different champagnes need um, different glasses. And which glass should we use for the Laurent Perrier? Since, since it's a Pinot Noir based uh, Cuvée Rosé, we work on the Burgundy glasses mostly. This is, so this is what the, we previously This is the Riedel this is the one. Pinot yes. Noir exactly, exactly. classic. Exactly. Almost a sound like a, a Grand Seca. Yes. <laughs> Have you been using this uh, shape uh, of the bottle from the beginning, or is it the shape of the bottle, design of the label, with some adjustments since the beginning, since 1968? Back on, on, on this time, we wanted to give more consideration to uh, the rosé category in general in Champagne by bringing a different method, by bringing a different shape of bottle, very special shape bottle um, that has been afterwards uh, inspiring some other houses. It's and getting some problems when uh, you're gonna stack it in the cellars, I guess. No, no, it's fine actually. Is it fine? It's, it's fine, yes, yes. The shape allows us to, to, to store it quite well. So okay. it's, not, it's not an issue. Otherwise, it would have been very problematic. This special shape and more consideration uh, we gave, we wanted to also to, to do it on the winemaking uh, by doing this, uh, this skin contact uh, uh, maceration. But 
in the end, within this maceration, we never, because I'm having a look, a look now at the color, we never pay attention to the color. This is not an indication of quality for us. The most important for us is the tasting. So yes. when we start a maceration, we make it last for between 48 to, well, sometimes 36 to 72 hours. And during this time, we are going to taste the wine every three hours. Okay. Every three hours, we give a taste of the wine maceration to make sure that we don't go too far. Let's, let's, let's be frank, the cellar master during the harvest doesn't sleep that much. No. <laughs> because the maceration happens during the harvest. Yes. Okay, we sort the grapes. Yes. And we have a sorting table, so we select the berries that goes into the composition of the rosé, and then after we proceed to this uh, maceration. Um, I think this one is uh, lovely. It's important also to do a, a difference between the maceration and the saigné, because the saigné and the maceration is I think, not uh, the same process. Almost all the guys um, interested in champagne, they don't know the difference. Between. They don't know the difference. Yeah. So can you tell us? Okay, maceration, the alcoholic fermentation comes after the wine. The juice is extracted from the maceration. The saigné, the maceration, the fermentation is happening when the berries are in contact with the with the juice. Okay, this is the major difference. The problem with the saigné is that you don't control anything. When the alcoholic fermentation happens, when the berries are in contact with the skin, you will have an effect on the color, you will have an effect on the taste. It's actually gonna change the wine that you have tasted just before, deciding to stop the saigné. When you do the maceration, we extract the juice which has been macerated, we start the vinification, and we are sure about the quality we will have in the end. The big challenge we have here uh, is to try to extract the red fruit aromas. Yes. Uh, this is the big thing we have in mind, our cellar master Michel Fauconnet has in mind, um, is to extract the red fruit aromas and to bring some good structure but not too heavy. I told you again, we... I really love this one. It's, it's... Fantastic. And we have never changed the recipe since 1968. You never, it. never. This one is also uh, present on sustainable logic, but in, in yes. uh, uh, the standing sortiment. And the price is um, 649 francs. Yes. That's also a really good price uh, for this uh, quality of champagne. Regarding the quality, yes. Alors, we, we are actually the most expensive rosé we know uh, within this category. But the, the thing is, it really deserves uh, that consideration because uh, it's really a know-how, it's really a technique. Many houses, I can tell it now because I've been exchanging a lot with other cellar masters, they have always been trying to try to know how do we do, how do we manage to do that quality, that consistency by using maceration. Many houses have tried to switch from a blending rosé to a maceration rosé. They always got back to a, a, a blending rosé since they couldn't stand the quality on a long-term way. Okay. I never say that um, a champagne is um, expensive until it's uh, not good. Yeah. So this uh, this uh, rosé costs uh, a lot of money, but it's not expensive. But the value you have uh, in the glass, I think, for... really worth it. Yeah. Really worth it. For sure. That's for sure. For sure. It's. Uh, I guess uh, you have a base uh, vintage uh, for it, and then you also have um, is... reserve wines. This one is the vintage base is two thousand twelve. Okay. okay, which and is then, a really, really good vintage. Which is a very good vintage, and I think we can feel it uh, on, on this one. And uh, after that, you, you will have some uh, previous vintage uh, going into the composition. So, certainly 2009 and 2010. It's lovely. When you don't, don't drink uh, Laurent Perrier, 
what other champagne do you drink? <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a few a few champagnes I, I actually uh, actually like, but this is mostly uh, from wine growers uh, that are actually confidential and not even distributed. I like the Pinot Noir uh, based champagne um, because they show something which is very complementary to what I I have uh, on my work. So something it's giving really me different. something more more different indeed. Yes. Uh, but what I like is the innovations of of some wine growers. On the way that they they try also as we did to, for the last 70 years to innovate in yes. a world where there is already a lot of things. So um, there are a lot of interesting things. Uh, no matter you can play on the on the way you harvest, on the grape you sell it. For, for example, there are some grapes uh, that were not existing anymore in Champagne or only a few. Yes. And some uh, actually like Arban and Petit Melier, they, they still try to do a, a cuvee with only with this. Mm. I'm not saying I'm going to drink it every day, but it is interesting for yeah. us. I really like uh, 100% Pinot Blanc. This is interesting to taste. Uh, yes. To see how it goes, and also if you take 100% Pinot Meunier, some are doing it quite well. Yeah. Uh, it is always very but interesting. But I think we see too many 100% Pinot Meunier in, in Sweden at the moment. Mm. It's, not mm. my, it's not my personal favorite. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but talking about innovation, what's mm -hmm. the future plans for Laurent Perrier? We want to keep growing. I would say on the on the high end way, uh, we want to keep um, working on the, the the result of our wines. Of course, we want to keep increasing the quality for us. It's the most important again. We want to keep increasing this quality uh, by having uh, um, a better control of our vineyards for sure and uh, making the um, what we are good at. Uh, growing uh, all, all around the world. I'm telling about the rosé. I'm telling about Grand Sec. These are the two cuvées uh, we are now we are now pushing more and more because there is a big demand for that kind of products now. Yes. So that's the orientation we are basically taking now. And how many percentage of, of the total production is? Uh from the rosé, is it around the fifty percent? If you take, uh, uh, I cannot more? give you a, a, a large figure of the what is not the non-vintage, uh, but basically, uh, if you if you we are about 70-75 percent la cuvée, the rest is cuvée rosé, grand siècle, vintage. Okay. Uh, the big share of this 25-30 percent uh, is led by the rosé. Yes, the big share of it. But the cuvée, the grand siècle is actually growing more and more. Okay, more and more. Do you do anything to fight the climate changes uh, to keep the freshness and acidity in, in the grapes and, uh, of course, in the champagnes? We do what we can because, in the end, the, the climate uh, will always win. Uh, that's the thing. So we just need to adapt. What we are trying to do and to implement um, is the way we conduct the vines because you can do what you want. If you don't have good grapes, you cannot have good wines. It's mostly driven by the way you conduct your vines. Uh, within the vineyards, adapting to the climate conditions. As you said, uh, if you take the harvest date, we have one, one month since I've been working in Champagne. Uh, so it's been now... Uh, Last year was the 28th of uh, August, August. Yes, yes, and yes, in yes, the yes. 1980 was uh, in it the was 28th end of, of uh, September. Yeah, I think it was even in the end of October. Yeah, I mean, it could be, it could last till the end of October. Yes. So in the end, uh, the, the only way we can do that is to uh, drive the leaf, drive the vines, conduct them on a way that they could easier react on the sun. So sometimes when it's too hot, yes. uh, we try to cover them with more leaf. And then when it's, there's not enough sun, then we try to re reduce. We can also work in green harvest, of course, to yes. try to give more concentration. But uh, the most important is the moment just before the harvest. It's true that more and more, 2018 was not the case, but more and more, the date you choose for picking the harvest, 
picking the grapes during the harvest is very, very, very challenging. Yes, it's very tactical. So you need to be sure about the day you're going to harvest because you never know. Within the night, there could be a rain, and it's going to destroy all the levels of the uh, acidity levels and potential alcohol that you would, you were looking for when you did your your uh, uh, sourcing. So uh, for an average, do uh, Laurent Perrier harvest uh, earlier or late, or is it uh, no this different? Uh, from it's difficult each, to give uh, a trend. Year. It's difficult to give a trend for because every harvest is different. Every yes. harvest is different. Since we work with so many different parcels, it's easy in Burgundy. You know when you harvest before because your neighbor uh, actually you could see him in the vineyards. Champagne is such a mosaic of different parcels, different plots, that it's quite difficult to say that we harvest before or after. But in the end, we try to keep away from uh, oxidations, yes. so we will not uh, work on a very, very light harvest, okay. because then you would probably drive some concentrations and sugar uh, level that would be higher. And I guess uh, you're trying to, to press the grapes as, as soon as possible after of harvest. We work with about uh, 200 pressuring centers uh, spread in the vineyards and we pay attention that they are actually very close from where the grapes have been, uh, have been harvested. As soon as they are ready, they arrive in the pressuring center and we don't wait, uh, we just instantly press them yes. to make sure that we stay away from this oxidation. This process of uh, maintaining as much as freshness as possible is definitely starting from the moment the grape the bunch is cut it from yes. the vines. Yes. For us, it's uh, it's why actually we have so much uh, freshness in our wines and long lasting, long aging potential in our yes. vintage. It's because we we are very focused on this uh, on this on this process. Yeah. I had some old uh, vintages from Laurent Perrier, and it's always really fresh, silky, and uh, sure. And that's uh, that's for us uh, uh, what a vintage should be. I mean, first because we are very selective on the years we decide to declare as a vintage, and we take some that has a long-lasting, uh, long-aging potential. Uh, but then because of this process, by far we we know we have the certainly the, one of the long-lasting uh, vintage ever in the market. So, what's your plans for tonight? Uh, we have a journalist dinner tonight. Yeah, we have an after. After work as well, because we are here at Mr. French and uh, we are going to gather some champagne lovers uh, together uh, for um, an afternoon of champagne, uh, explaining, educating more about what's Laurent Perrier, what is champagne and answering some, uh, some questions. Actually, Sweden is an amazing market because uh, the level of the average level of knowledge is much higher than in many countries and visit. And then afterwards, we do have actually a, a champagne uh, dinner with a journalist. Uh, which restaurant are you gonna go for the dinner? Breakfast and wine. Breakfast, Breakfast and wine. Breakfast and wine. Oh, yes. I never heard about. Yeah. I have to I have to go there. But before we end, can you tell the Swedish listeners why they should try Laurent Perrier and uh, what they will expect? If you look for the utmost experience of elegance in champagne and finest, Laurent Perrier is definitely the house of choice for no matter the, 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 the product you select from a range. Uh, we have this reputation of having the most consistent range of champagne, starting from La Cuvée till Grand, to Grand Siècle. Uh, you have this consistency of style. There's no distortion in the style of the different Cuvées. If I want to focus a little bit more on the 2008, please, have a try of the 2008 because it's certainly one of the greatest vintage of champagne we had recently and by waiting uh, that's for the last long... uh, 200 years you could say yeah yeah well, uh, <laughs> Almost. there are some very good vintage yeah, before, but, uh, before maybe it's, it's a top uh, 15 probably probably but we need time to measure because it's just so recent that yes, it's, it's, it's only after a few years that you yes. can probably do some comparison but um, uh, try the 2008 because it will give you an interpretation of what the what is the philosophy 
is a Florent Perrier. Uh, as soon as you wait for enough time in the cellars, it, it, the wine can give you so much more. And I think the wine is actually extraordinary by on, on why, what it is now. So I wish you a great uh, after work and um, Thank you. a great uh, night in, in Stockholm. Thank you very much. And also <laughs> I hope um, when I come to Champagne next time, uh, please, I please. really would love to visit Laurent Pierre because uh, it's a shame I haven't uh, let seen me know, Let me know. Yeah. We are not open sure. to the public, but we do some special, uh, special uh, treats for special guests. So please uh, let me know anytime so you want to I'm, come over. If I'm lucky, then maybe. It is, yeah. you, sh you should be lucky, <laughs> believe me. Okay. That could be a good experience. Uh, when you taste Champagne, it's Champagne, it's always uh, very different. Yes, very it different. Is. It is. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Och där var intervjun klar med Edvard. Jag hoppas att ni tyckte om och lyssnade på honom. Och framförallt att ni blev inspirerade till att prova Laurent Perriers champagner. Jag skulle verkligen vilja rekommendera er att prova framförallt såklart deras La Cuvée som är deras instegschampagne som är otroligt bra. Men ett otroligt bra fynd just nu som finns på bolaget är ju deras årgång 2008 som är en superårgång. Och den kostar 589 kronor på bolaget och har nummer 75308 på beställningssortimentet. Så att det är en flaska som jag tycker att ni ska köpa på er av och lagra i minst ja, tio år skulle jag säga. Jag tänkte att jag skulle ge lite andra tips också på vad som finns att köpa på Systembolaget. Just nu då så den 28.8 så släpps det lite nyheter och jag såg att det var två stycken kampanjer som släpptes där. Två stycken fantastiska kampanjer men prislappen är ju absolut, det är inte dyrt men det kostar mycket pengar. Så att vi har Bollanger, Bollinger, Vin Francais 2010. Släpps i 30 exemplar och kostar 7599 kronor. Jag kan inte ge någon recension på det för jag har inte provat den och eh, troligtvis så kommer jag inte göra det heller. Men det är ju någonting man måste verkligen prova vad jag vinner någon gång i livet. Så att, eh, har ni 7599 kronor över så rekommenderar jag att köpa den. Även Dompa, Domperion, släpper sin P2 år 2002. Och P2 är ju, det här P2 det står för att det är sendegorgerat. Så att den har ju lagrats då längre på sin gästfällning. Och vi skulle kunna jämföra det med, med Bollanger, deras RD till exempel. Och den kostar 3900 kronor. Vilket jag tycker faktiskt är ett fynd. 2002 är en fantastiskt bra årgång. Och den bör ni faktiskt köpa på er av och dricka inom en femårsperiod. Tycker också att ni ska hålla utkik för en ny producent som heter Paul Chloé. Jag har varit nere hos Paul Chloé vid ett antal tillfällen och provat deras viner. De är väldigt, väldigt bra och otroligt prisvärda. Och jag har hört att de ska komma in på Systembolaget nu inom kort. Så att håll utkik för Paul Chloé. Tänkte även att jag skulle prata lite grann om kommande provningar- en nästkommande provning är en musik- och champagnequiz som är då den 20-9. Det kanske låter lite konstigt men det är då en provning där man går ihop i omlag 2-2. Man provar sju stycken champagner helt blint och får fem stycken musikstycken som man då får som ledtrådar till vad det kan vara som man dricker. Så att det kan man säga att det är en musik- och champagnetävling. 
Jag ser verkligen fram emot den här provningen och jag hoppas att den kommer bli populär så att vi kan köra den regelbundet. Vi har även den klassiska provningen för tredje året i rad som vi kallar för Non-Vinted Challenge. Där vi då kårar den bästa årgångslösa champagnen. Årets omgång kommer vi prova 15 olika champagner. Halvblint i två stycken flighter. Man sätter betyg på vinet utan att man vet vad som finns i glaset. Non-Vinted Challenge kommer att vara i Stockholm- på Hotell Kungsträdgården den 24 oktober samt den 25 oktober. 20 platser per provning. Det är redan nu relativt hårt tryck så att jag rekommenderar er att eh, boka på er så snart som möjligt. Annars så skulle jag vilja säga att eh, vill jättegärna att ni följer eh, Champagne Sweden på Instagram och eh, Facebook- och sen så avslutar jag som alltid att jag tycker att ni ska dricka champagne alla dagar som slutar på G. Och har nummer 75 308 på beställningssortimentet. Så att det är en flaska som jag tycker att ni ska köpa på er av och lagra i minst ja, tio år skulle jag säga. Jag tänkte att jag skulle ge lite andra tips också på vad som finns att köpa på Systembolaget. Just nu då så den 28-8 så släpps det lite nyheter och jag såg att det var två stycken kampanjer som släpptes där. Två stycken fantastiska champagner, men prislappen är ju absolut, det är inte dyrt, men det kostar mycket pengar. Så att vi har Bollanger, Bollinger, VI Vin Francais 2010. Släpps i 30 exemplar och kostar 7599 kronor. Jag kan inte ge någon recension på det för jag har inte provat den och troligtvis så kommer jag inte göra det heller. Men det är ju någonting... Man måste verkligen prova VIVIN någon gång i livet. Så att, eh, har ni 7599 kronor över så rekommenderar jag att köpa den. Även Dompa, Domperion, släpper sin P2 år 2002. Och P2 är ju... Det här P2 det står för att det är sendegorgerat. Så att den har ju lagrats då längre på sin gästfällning. Och vi skulle kunna jämföra det med, med Bollanger, deras RD till exempel. Och den kostar 3900 kronor. Vilket jag tycker faktiskt är ett fynd. 2002 är en fantastiskt bra årgång. Och den bör ni faktiskt köpa på er av och dricka inom... En femårsperiod. Tycker också att ni ska hålla utkik för en ny producent som heter Paul Chloé. Jag har varit nere hos Paul Chloé vid ett antal tillfällen och provat deras viner. De är väldigt, väldigt bra och otroligt prisvärda. Och jag har hört att de ska komma in på Systembolaget nu inom kort. Så att håll utkik för Paul Chloé. Tänkte även att jag skulle prata lite grann om kommande provningar- en nästkommande provning är en musik- och champagnequiz som är då den 20 i Det kanske låter lite konstigt men det är då 
en provning där man går ihop i omlag 2-2. Man provar sju stycken champagner helt blint och får fem stycken musikstycken som man då får som ledtrådar till vad det kan vara som man dricker. Så att det kan man säga att det är en musik- och champagnetävling. Jag ser verkligen fram emot den här provningen och jag hoppas att den kommer bli populär så att vi kan köra den regelbundet. Vi har även den klassiska provningen för tredje året i rad som vi kallar för non vinter Challenge. Där vi då kårar den bästa årgångslösa champagnen. Årets omgång kommer vi prova 15 olika champagner. Halvblint i två stycken flighter. Man sätter betyg på vinet utan att man vet vad som finns i glaset. Någon vinter challenge kommer att vara i Stockholm på Hotell Kungsträdgården den 24 oktober samt den 25 oktober. 20 platser per provning. Det är redan nu relativt hårt tryck så jag rekommenderar er att boka på er så snart som möjligt. Annars så skulle jag vilja säga att eh, vill jättegärna att ni följer eh, Champagne Sweden på Instagram och eh, Facebook. Och sen så avslutar jag som alltid att jag tycker att ni ska dricka champagne alla dagar som slutar på G. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.